Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. It's going to be a info-filled episode here where we're going to talk about a lot. So I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's start with the high school stuff. Leland, high school boys basketball. Stewart's draft got handed their first district loss on Tuesday. Yeah, it was surprising, I think, to see them lose. With them going through the first cycle, uh, you know, unfazed and, and really beating teams by a lot. Uh, to see them get knocked off by Wilson was was kind of a surprise. So that was a good sign for Wilson. And in all honesty, for draft, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it, they they don't seem invincible. Uh, invincible. They'd get to the postseason uh, knowing that they can lose, and then that way this loss doesn't surprise them somewhere where it really hurts in the postseason, like a like a region semi or something like that, where that means your season's over. So um, that into a positive. I've to never like that but use it to your advantage you know use that as a learning lesson and i am sure coach gale is doing that um they can wrap up the district here tuesday night which if you're listening right after we drop this is tonight um so by the time you listen this this could already be decided but they can wrap up the district early this week and even if they don't wrap it up early this week they still have a good shot just winning the district and and there's no district tournament so they will be Shenandoah district champions and and they've earned it they've beat every team um and then uh going here through the second time they did lose to Wilson but they're a solid team and i continue to think that they have a chance to make a postseason run just cuz they play that different style and i didn't do it before uh with the style so i i'm interested to see them get into this region who the matchups are and where it can go from there and then, and that's what we're talking about now is regions and i guess I don't think regions really start for a week. So I think Shenandoah district teams are kind of, kind of have a week to sit around, get rested, get, get healthy and be ready to go. Cause we're looking at region and region two B drafts. The number one seed or uh, excuse me, uh, is the number three seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck Buckingham just went up. Um, and, uh, then it's East rock up top. So really they're looking at some kind of matchup with Buckingham, which will be a test for two teams that aren't familiar with each other. And then it, it all comes to one game against East rock for whoever is able to do that. If you, if you take care of business, uh, gap is fifth Stanton six. So those two teams trying to find a way into the mix, you keep talking all year about thinking, can Stanton make a run? Uh, you know, it's now's now's coming the time and, and they want to go into that postseason strong. I said this last week and uh, you know, they have a, they have an opportunity to do that this week. They have, uh, games this week against, uh, well, against draft, uh, which will be a nice little test. But then Waynesboro, who's on a way down Earl Swain, and then Wilson. So that's winnable games down the stretch there that, that they could get some momentum with. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think looking at it, Stewart's draft is 11 and 8. So I think they knew that they've lost games. Um, so I don't know about the, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. the losing at this point being a good thing. Uh, but it's not the end of the world either. Uh, they're going to win the Shenandoah district, whether they win against Stanton or not, in my opinion. I think they need to win it for kind of just momentum's sake going into the playoffs. But uh, to me, Stanton, uh, it, there are a five right now, you said. Uh, to me, it's almost better if you're a six. six. Oh, well, that's, yeah, I think they are six. that's where you want to be, in my opinion, because if you're a six, you're going to face either Buckingham or Draft. Uh, depending on who ends up being the two or the three, and you won't yep. see East Rock until a region final, because I don't think you're getting through East Rock. I don't think, to be to be honest, no one is going to beat East Rock in this region tournament. So, as late in the game as you can see him, the better, because if you see him in the championship, you're going to the state. Yeah, and we're just hoping a local team 
is, is second in the, in the region yeah, he gets to move on. Right. Yeah. yeah, whether it's whether it ends up being Stanton getting to that region championship or draft or gap or whoever, uh, we want one of those three. We'd love to see one of those three get in there. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be Buffalo Gap. Buffalo Gap has kind of fallen apart here toward the end of the district season. I, I don't love where they are getting ready to head into the regions, but we'll see how that happens. Riverheads has they been... Have a strong, they can finish strong, though, this week. And uh, may, and but the thing is, they finished strong. That probably bumps them to four, and that that gives them a home game. But then likely still you're gonna get creamed by quick, yeah, you're so. gonna get creamed. Um, they have winnable games this week against Riverheads and Fort. Yeah, Riverheads. I want to touch on them. I, they've we been will. they. I know they're a high seed in one B, but locked, man, I think they're locked I, at a one seed. <laughs> that, okay, and that's great. But man, have they been disappointing here? And I guess I I'm just used to seeing them, even when they don't win the district, they compete. And this year, it feels like a lot of times they're just not the same team we're used to seeing on the floor. I'm not saying that's coaching. I'm not saying it's the kids. I'm just saying it just hasn't looked the same this year. And even though they're rated high in 1B, it does give me a little bit of concern going into the 1B tournament because if you slip up before that region championship in one game, like they've slipped up a lot of times in this Shenandoah district season, losing to teams that I think they should be beating, then you're done. And I think that's very I, possible. It's a real concern. I think compete might be the wrong word. I, and I think it's, it's just me picking you apart. I, I mean, they're, they're close in these games. They're not getting run out of the gym in a lot of games. So uh, I think they're competing. It's just them not getting the win and you got to find W's you got to find the wins. And when we've been at some close games for them, uh, you know, it, it just seems like they're just coming on the short end and, and maybe, you know, they just haven't used up any of their luck yet or something, but it doesn't give me confidence going into the postseason. Now they'll get a lot of games at home. I would, I think that's a, a that is favor favorable for them because in one B there, that is a wide range. I mean, that's Sussex central down there. That's Surrey. There's a, some big traveling in this region. Um, and it's only gotten wider with the with the update right. here. So um, I do think having the home games are are going to be helpful for them. And uh, you just have to hope and and got to turn it on at the right time. And, and maybe this is their chance. Uh, you do have to appreciate high school basketball. I mean, you're getting eight teams in there for all the things you don't do throughout the season. You can always make up for it at the end. And uh, so they'll have that chance. I just I'm not as optimistic as I would like to be. Looking at three C. I don't think there's a lot of hope either. You look at Wilson sitting in the ninth spot for the boys and Waynesboro in the 11th. I, I just, you know, I don't know exactly even know how three C sets themselves up. Is it only eight teams that get to go? Is it, or how is it going to go? But I just looking at every team above Wilson from eight up. I don't know which one of the ones of those teams I'm thinking Waynesboro's beat or Wilson's beaten. So um, I don't think there's much to talk about there for Wilson. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe they knock somebody off. But, uh, I, you know, Riverheads and Wilson are the two teams I, I was kind of given pretty good favoritism to as the district season began, and they have not lived up. No, they haven't. They've, they've definitely had disappointing seasons in the district, and Buffalo Gap and Stanton have been beneficiaries of that. Uh, yeah. they, they haven't looked great at times, but they're sitting prettier than those Wilson and Riverheads, and Fort has yeah. gotten hot recently. Unfortunately for Fort, it just looks like too little too late. I mean, they've won four out yeah. of six, but you dug yourself in such a big hole there. There's no way they're getting into the postseason. No matter what gap does this week or next week or the week after when it, whenever it means something, I, it's still a great season for them. Oh, sure. Considering where they've come from. So I don't want to overshadow, but Hey, when you start, when you're sitting at the top of the district for a couple of weeks, 
expectations start changing. It stops being, oh, this is a great story. You start expecting some wins, and, and they, they have struggled down the stretch here. But in the end, we're still going to come back to what an improvement uh, for the Buffalo Gap basketball program that they can build on. Well, Leland, let's move to the girls' side. Draft the uh, class of Class 2 there as well. Uh, Stanton right now not looking great. They're on the outside looking in. Uh, Gap looks like they are just in, but Loray and Strasburg appear to be the one and twos, which means the Shenandoah District uh, draft right now looks like the best chance, but they're going to have to do some work if they want to get in there. And uh, Riverheads girls, they're a two seed right now in 1B. Uh, which if they get to the region championship, which they have home court all the way up until that region championship, they would advance. And much like on the boys' side, class three, uh, Wilson might get in, but it doesn't look promising. Yeah, it's, I mean, the class three is just, is tough. It's tough. And, uh, you know, the girl, the Fort girls have been in that for a while. They know what it takes. Um, You know, they're sitting at the top of the Shenandoah district tile. They might hang a district banner in Fort Defiance, but yeah, these, these three C teams traditionally are good. I mean, a lot of state champions have been coming out of the three C girls recently. When you talk about Broadway, you know, TA has been very good. And then obviously Spotswood, the defending state champions, and they're sitting at the top again. So it's going to be tough for them for Fort to make a real run there, but you just never know with some of these matchups. I'd like to get them out of that, out of that four spot. If they could get up to that three, which they're not terribly far behind TA there, you know, I don't know Charlottesville as well, but I would just like to like them to face Spotswood later. Um, so that's yeah. what I'd hope for, for, uh, for their sake there. But um, Wilson, yeah, they, Wilson is another team. I always expect the most out of them. I mean, of all, any of the teams we talk about boys or girls, Wilson girls basketball, I, I probably would have picked to beat, win the district this year and, and they haven't. So, um, They've, they've risen back up towards the top, but I, w- I would expect them to dominate the district. And it's just they're not the same team as what they've been in these past, uh, you know, the past 10 years. They've been really good, maybe even more. So um, we'll see what they're able to do. Looking at 2B, yeah, drafts kind of the Shenandoah district hope. Buffalo Gap has not been playing good basketball. They have that Amaya Lucas. She's good. But just finding another piece there has been a struggle for them. And then the Riverheads girls, I saw them play Fort Defiance last week, and they're scrappy. Um but if their shots aren't falling, they, they, they struggle at finding inside shots. So uh, it's all about, you know, those mid-range jumpers, those threes, are they falling? If they're not, they're losing. And uh, that's that's what I saw from them, and that's kind of the talk around them is they, they just don't have the inside presence that you need uh, to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I we'll see what happens. Obviously, like the boys' side, we're pulling for our girls to – Oh yeah, to make deep runs and try to get to the Siegel Center in Richmond. But um, it, you and I have talked about this before. It just doesn't. We we've kind of gotten used to it with Stanton making runs in the recent yeah. years, but it just doesn't feel like that's going to be the case this year, unless unless Draft can get into the state playoffs by getting to the region championship and Riverheads can dominate that region one B. But then even then, I mean, you, then you're getting to the state and there's some really good basketball teams around the state of Virginia, and I just it doesn't seem like it this year that we've seen that level of play i do think those are the two teams we're talking about you know draft and draft and riverheads and, and maybe girls and guys uh mm-hmm. between them so that that'll be interesting state i just want to say this now state uh quarterfinals is march 6th uh semifinals march 10th and the state final 310 so that's what we're all working towards in basketball 312 whatever i said <laughs> <laughs> let's go to wrestling uh the regions this week it's always a big weekend uh, this is the stepping stone to states. 
a lot of wrestlers get to go to states, but you know how well you perform in regions really make a big difference in your seating. So a uh, lot of action this coming weekend with all the region tournaments happening this weekend. Uh, Riverheads is hosting the 1B. Uh, Strasburg hosting the 2B. I'm not sure where the 3C is, but plenty of good action there. Wilson has good wrestling there going up in 3C. It'll be interesting to see how they step up in 3C. But then in 2B, you know, you're probably looking at Stanton, some individuals at Gap. You could be looking at a decent team effort, but probably some individuals. And then down in 1B, Riverheads, you know, you kind of just put them there. They're going to finish in the top three, probably. You just really do expect that. They have such a good wrestling program there, uh, but they hit some, you know, big dogs down from the Southwest Virginia here as the as the season turns out. And maybe this year they're able to get over the hump. They'll have some state champions, I, I would very much assume. But can they put that together for a team championship? This week will say a lot to how much strength they have there. It all sets up for next weekend in Salem, the 21st and the 22nd. That's Friday and Saturday uh, for the class one, two, and three finals next week. So a lot of good wrestling. If you're all interested in high school wrestling this weekend, go go to Riverheads, go to Strasburg, and see some good stuff going. Yeah, we'll see uh, in terms of team championships. I just know the, the southwestern part of the state just turns out wrestlers. Oh, like yeah. It's nobody's Grundy business. And it's tough to win them, those. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, let's get sad. Uh, let's talk about NCAA <laughs> basketball. Um, yeah, it hasn't been good. The last seven games for Virginia Tech have just been kind of sad to watch. And I, I think I texted you during the Boston College game, or maybe it was the Georgia Tech game. I don't remember. They're blending together now. I just texted, I'm sad. Like, yeah. I'm not even mad because it's year one. This is... <laughs> Huddling around 500, maybe a little under 500 in the ACC, I think is where we expected them to be at the beginning of the year. We kind of got our hopes up after we beat Michigan State and started off hot in the ACC. Yeah. yeah. And kind of like Buffalo Gap, where we talked about <laughs> once you're once you're hanging up there for a while, then you start to expect to start winning some games. And we kind of did. And now we're dropping games to teams that aren't that good. Um, got swept by Boston College. Lost to Georgia Tech on the road. Lost at Miami, which didn't feel good. Um, but they have a week yeah. off before Pitt comes to Blacksburg and Miami. And to me, I, NIT talk now, those are almost must wins because Duke, UVA, Louisville, those are all three losses. Yeah. Yeah. We got losses ahead of us that are, you know, when we're watching the game, we'll get our hopes up, you know, somehow, some way. But you, sure. you just look at the, at the on paper now, you're like, ugh. So we got to win any game with a team close to us or behind us. You got to beat them. And, uh, and that's where it is. Just losing to Boston College twice in this stretch just just rubs me the wrong way. I hate playing Boston College. Yeah, we got our hopes up, and um, that's fine. I, I'd never like a loss. I'm never just going to say, well, you know, this, this. I, I, I'm always going to be against, like, hate the loss, wonder how we could have won. And there's been some more obvious things in some of these games, but it's just – they're young and they're got to get better. And I think the coach, I think coach, you will get them there. It's just, that's where we're at right now. And we come kind of came back down to earth and that's what it is. That's yeah. What it I, is. I, I do like the recruiting he's being able to like do. It. I have a lot of hope for the, for the future. I do think Nolly's going to leave still. Um, I will say, haven't loved his shot selection at the end of games. Uh, that's, it, it just seems like, he, I don't know, maybe another year of college basketball, maybe I, I would call a timeout and then just tell him, hey, maybe we don't shoot the 30 foot three. And while you're being guarded, 
maybe we just pass and find the open guy. Um, I know that's your best player. I know that's the guy you want to have in the ball in his hands. But if he's not open, then you got other guys who can make threes. I mean, basically anybody uh, but the point guard I want shooting the ball. Like, I mean, I'll take exactly. anybody else putting the ball up there. It's just, well, depending I, on I where we're shooting BD from. Shooting it, but, but yeah. yeah, anybody else. Set up yeah. Radford. Set up anybody, you know? Well, if it's a two. If it's not a two, I don't love Radford shooting. But, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take it over BD. <laughs> yeah. Um, UVA loses to Louisville. Uh, they're fine. They, they've they kind of talked themselves into the tournament contention. I think as long as they don't, you know, utterly collapse down the stretch. A win at North Carolina would help. It helps that the rest of the ACC is not that great. And yeah. just traditionally, they're going to give some bids to the ACC. And, I mean... The win over Florida State really helped. Yeah, that helps. And, yeah, it helps. If If it was the usual ACC where you have... Duke and UVA or Duke and UNC sitting up top and we're gonna talk about them in a second and then you had like a Florida State and Louisville right behind it like you'd still have more questions about UVA but I I think I think you're right I think they kind of played their way back into it um I can root for the collapse can I yeah we can root for it it's fine (laughs) um speaking of collapses you texted me I wasn't watching because I don't hate myself that much um JMU was beating Delaware late in the game, I think there was five minutes. I I had just seen the score when you texted me that they were up with like five, yeah. five, five and a half minutes or something like that. They were up five points, and you said JMU up late, and I texted back. There's still time for them to blow this, two, two and they did. Ago, they were still up. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah they and they did. It. They blew it hard. They lost by two. They're not going to win another conference. Our two wins were against UNCW. We're done. That's it. We're done. Lewis I, Rowe is done. I like that because that would give there no way for him to get out of firing him. Born Even if he no beat choice. Delaware, why would you keep him? Well, uh, not Delaware, but like if you start setting yourself up to then make some kind of run in the CAA, oh, maybe I don't not care. all the way to the tournament, but like win a couple games in that oh, tournament. Oh, I don't care. And they, oh, well, they got better at the end of the season. I don't, Even if he I don't wins the tournament, they you fire him. They got to move on. They got to move on. Even if he wins the conference tournament, you fire him. He's a joke. He's not good. Don't make the same the mistake you made with Matt Brady. <laughs> don't make the same mistake you made with Matt Brady letting one week save his job. Don't do it. Look what that did to your program. Yeah. Soon enough, we can stop talking about JMU because they'll be done soon. Yeah. And that'll be good. And they can, we can talk about what coach they're hiring. I do want to talk about what we're talking about NCAA basketball. That Duke UNC rivalry. Mm -hmm. A is, is like, if you're saying it's not one of, I I think it's the best rivalry in, in college sports. I think you can make the case for Ohio state, Michigan. That's fine. This being closer to us in the ACC footprint. I just think of this as more, but if we're not, if we're talking Louisville or Kentucky, you can, you can get out of my house and stop talking. Cause like, it's just not, it's not there. Uh, that rivalry o- produces these kinds of games time after time. And I'll tell you what Duke just does UNC dirty so often. And they did it again. They should have just beat them by about 15, just beat them by 15, get out of there. But no Duke toys with them, toys with them. And then comes up with these miraculous plays down the stretch to win that game. And this isn't the only time they've done this at UNC before. Austin Rivers hit a game winner there that they completely stole that game. There's been other games where they just completely steal it from UNC at UNC. And I I just, I just amazes me. I, I don't like it. I, I try to figure out a way for both of them to lose when I'm watching these games, but they just continue to do it. They just, coach K finds a way. And I saw some tweet about coach K being some kind of fraud 
<laughs> I don't know what 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 is that guy like? What kind of drugs do you have to take to be that oblivious? Like, what are you gonna say? Well, they always have the best players. Well, who gets the best players there? Yeah, he and recruits Duke continues. Yeah. I mean, and it's not only against UNC. Duke gets in these positions on in games they should not win. They're down ten with a minute to go against Maryland. They're down five with twelve seconds to go to UNC. They're down to Virginia Tech when we're there and we're gonna beat them for the first time at Duke. And they find a way to win. They just continue to do this. And I can't name another program that finds a way to have these miraculous victories. Comes comes back against Louisville like crazy last year. And Coach K is the consistent thing. So if any of you guys think Coach K is not, not good, he's some kind of fraud, he's benefited from some, just stop talking. Just stop talking. Also, the year he was out with medical issues, um, they were terrible with kids yeah. he recruited. So sure, I do think he's a pretty good coach. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't watch the game. I forgot it was on, if I'm being honest. Um, this was we not late. this was not as publicized as most Duke UNC matchups. Uh, the only really talk I saw about it leading up to the game was the uniforms, which I, I hated. Mean, I think game day was there that day, but what? A, yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, I didn't see game day being advertised. Is my point? Like, I didn't see that advertised. Uh, I saw on Twitter like they were talking about the uniforms and stuff. Um, and I was like, eh, I hate these uniforms. Um, I think they look dumb, but it was weird with two teams that wear blue to have blue on blue. Yeah. Like color on color. It was right. I thought it was, yeah. That's weird. I like color on color, but I don't like it when they're both the same different shades of blue. Is yeah. Weird. If one of them was red, we'd be all right. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also hated the logos. I just thought the way the uniform, like having basically only the logo, on the front, they were fine. It, I they thought really they looked didn't bad. Me. I didn't spend time thinking about it. No, it's okay. You, uh, I do. The colors, the color on color, like similarity, is what I talked about. Uh, the, like, okay, here's a color on color that would work. If Virginia Tech and UVA both wanted to wear the dark uniforms, that would be cool. I like that. The maroon and the blue. Yeah, it'd be fine. But for one football, of them wear orange, it'd be fine. For football or whatever, yeah, that would be fine too. Yeah, I don't want us wearing orange uniforms in football. It doesn't look right. I don't know what it yeah. is. I just haven't. I don't like. Orange I haven't either, seen any that I like. I think. I think like last year, we're going to go into this tournament where we think anybody can win this thing. Oh, and I agree. It, and I think. I think. San Diego State out there and Gonzaga have to kind of take their chance here. Yeah, uh, Baylor's playing pretty well in the Big Twelve. Or ba- or Baylor. Baylor's not a common to this spot. I mean, any of these right. teams that aren't blue 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 bloods. Take your advantage. This is I'm not rooting for Baylor, but yeah, I'm not going to root for Baylor in any sport. You see Michigan State dropping out of the top 25. It's time for you to do something. Yeah, I'm sure if you dig around Baylor's other sports programs, other than football and basketball, we know the two major scandals that have happened in those programs. But I'm sure if you dig around Baylor, you know, lacrosse, I'm sure there's a scandal there somewhere, too. Probably so. It's just the way Baylor operates. Uh, Let's skip to some current sports right now before we let you rant. Uh, Mm. Let's go to NASCAR first. Who you got next weekend? <laughs> Let's go to the sport where I can't possibly rant because it's just, yeah. just not going to get me that driver, jazz. We're moving. Uh, I don't know who's going to win the whole thing. I can tell you who I'm rooting for. It's Matt Bedenabet, or DeBenedetto. Um, <laughs> God, that's going to be hard to say. <laughs> He's the Wood Brothers driver for 2020 as Paul Menard is done. Um, Matt DeBenedetto, uh, hopefully by the end of the NASCAR season, I'll have it. But... <laughs> Uh, I'm hoping he does well. Eric Jones won the clash this Sunday, which is kind of interesting because that's another new name onto the scene. We'll have to see. I don't think he's going to win the Daytona 500, uh, but 
he won the clash, which is, you know, the first kind of NASCAR event. Uh, and we'll see what happens in the duels. I know Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got the pole for the Daytona 500, but the rest of the qualifying field set up during the duels, which is on Thursday, which will be cool. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll be recording the one during the day and probably the one at night. Cause I'll probably have to call a game, but, um, I'll be looking forward to watching those. So you're calling, so you're calling draft riverheads Thursday, huh? Uh, I don't know where we're going Thursday. That's I'm the trying. only one on Thursday. Okay. Well then maybe, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I got, I'm rooting for Quinn Hoff from Weir's cave, uh, That's fine. Fort defiance guy. I'm rooting for him the whole season. Rooting for him to win the day two and a five hundred is probably asking too much. So I'm I'm looking for a good finish there. Maybe like a top top twenty would be pretty pretty uh, great. Driving double zero um, is my only concern with him. Not a lot of success in that double zero yeah. car. You can write write your own story. Uh, I rooted for Bubba Wallace last year. I'm gonna try to stick with that. I want to see some some better out of him. Uh, but then during Daytona, my actual rooting interest that will actually be meaningful will be not an Elliot, not, or not an Elliot, not a Bush. I don't want a Bush to win. So I just root against Bush. Anybody but that M&M's car or whatever car that other brother's driving. Kurt, I just don't like yeah. the Bush brothers. Why? Any reason or just, just, it seems like they're always doing is I just don't like them. I just okay. don't like them. I really don't like the M&M's car. I really don't like him. Which brother's that? That's Kyle. I don't like Kyle Busch. I know he wins a lot. I know he wins a lot. Yeah, he does. I just don't like him. He's always involved in stuff. I like Denny Hamlin. He's from Virginia. Yeah, Denny Hamlin's a guy I try to root for a lot. I think his crew chief's from Tech. That's cool. Yeah. All right, let's move on. XFL. Last week, I think I asked, would you watch any? I think I got pretty negative response from our guest last week. Steve, you didn't seem too excited. But I think you watched some, and I think I did too. I watched a little bit of every game that was played. I didn't sit down and watch start to finish any game. Um, I got into the DC Defenders game, which is the most I saw of any. I got there probably about the second quarter uh, and watched that on through. Good for the Defenders. They got the 31-19 win. It was cool. I didn't see the JMU kid all that much, but that's fine. Um, I'll tell you what, though, that coach, did you see the coach? Like, I think it was when it, around the time it was tied. He seemed a little overwhelmed. He was, like, sitting on the bench. They're interviewing him during the game, which is different and weird. But he's just, he did seem a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, he got the win, so who cares? He got the win. They went on a roll after that. Yeah, you play the New York Guardians next, who also won and looked pretty good in their win. So we'll see how that one goes. That's at home for the defenders. They packed, I, they packed a lot of fans in there. <laughs> Tony Kornheiser thinks... Uh, Fox and ESPN were just paying people off the streets to come into it. He said, I don't think, yeah, he said, there's no way. What, what was the number of that? 20,000 or whatever. 17,000 people didn't buy tickets. <laughs> he said, there's a lot of free tickets going out, which maybe, maybe true. Tickets I, are 20 bucks. They were single game tickets for 20 bucks. It's not expensive to go to those games. I, I I'll be honest. My brother and I are thinking about going to one. If we can swing I'll it one weekend, what, though, it's when they not the guy, like a guy dressed all up in like perfect brand new, like, defenders gear with some kind of mask and stuff like i i do kind of wonder if he was planted there like i do like who at oh i don't know like maybe they maybe they stuff. did some giveaways and maybe there's people that are just excited i will say i saw a lot of articles from washington publications talking about how starved dc is for a football team that isn't the redskins because the redskins are dysfunctional yeah i mean all the all the redskins have to do is win a, a touch and that goes like this talk goes away 
If they're yeah, just contending I, for the playoffs, this talk goes away. Everybody, everybody has them in the grave. But if they win not eight, nine games, no, everybody, it's craziness again. Yeah, maybe. People act like they're gone forever. They're not. They're not gone forever. But I will say, like, watching the XFL, it's not terrible football. Yeah, there's drops, it, but it's, it's still bad, early. Yeah. There's drops in the NFL. I, I like it, I like a lot of the different things. I like the PAT stuff. I think cool. the kickoff rule is smart. I like it. Um, cool. I can't wait for the shootout overtime when we get a game that goes into overtime. Um, and I like, I like when I'm watching a review, hearing the review person just talk to the official and be able to hear yeah. it. Uh, the NFL needs that more than anything because the, unlike the XFL where there was, where there was a replay, I was like, man, I still think they blew that. Um, uh, when I'm watching the NFL reviews, I would love to know what's going on in their head because yeah. there are times where I'm like, that makes zero sense. I would, I just want to hear what his rationale is. I think the AF had that last year too, and I think we we said the exact same thing last year. You could hear the review comments, and mm-hmm. I do think the NFL needs to pick up on that. Um, I they they have a lot of mics going. They got mics on players. Yeah. They got mics on coaches, and then you have announcers, and it's like there's just so many mics going. Sometimes it's on top of each other, and it's a little rough for for me. I I think um, as I'm becoming an old man, I can't hear this many voices at one time. So I just I, I want to get that smoothed out. I, I'm not saying I, get rid of a bunch of mics. I'm just saying have a light where, you know, you're not talking because we're here in this and, and, and help these announcers not walk over people. I think that will happen as the, the broadcast progress and the season goes on. I think yeah. week one, they definitely want to show off all the stuff they have. So yep. I think that's why you got a lot of it. I think we're going to see fewer sideline interviews. Yeah. One, because an F-bomb was dropped in the very first game. Um, during a sideline interview, which was the most predictable thing. Yeah, uh, it's going to happen. Which I laughed when it happened. And uh, my brother and I were watching the game, too, when he's when he did it. And I was just like, yup. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, another part of it is I, I like the coordinators calling plays, but I don't know if I needed every play. And it's fine. Um, I, I think they're doing a lot of cool stuff. I I, I hope it sticks around. Uh, apparently they've got the funding to last two to three years out the gate. So I hope that's true. And I hope they can do that because as I've said before, I can't wait to see what some of these younger people do and what they decide. If after their freshman year of college, if they're cash strapped, like they're saying, and they, they want to go make that money, go to the XFL for two years and get drafted into the NFL. There's a guy on the St. Louis Battlehawks They talked about during that game. Uh, that transferred out of West Virginia because he had some disciplinary stuff going on, apparently. But um, the Battlehawks said that he will probably get drafted in April, and they don't know if he's going to be around the whole season. But they're liking what they see from him right now. He looked pretty mm. good in that game. So if he can, if he's a good case study, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he's a good case study. I think the XFL knows that is where they are right now, and they're okay with that. And that's probably where they're going to be forever. Um, but and if, the, the if this kid knew that last year, right. But they kind they of, and they didn't survive. the more you looked at that, the more you saw how kind of rushed that was, yep. uh, they, they knew that the XFL, the XFL was coming. They knew the XFL was coming. They didn't want to wait and plan it out. Like the XFL did the XFL this time around. You remember this was announced two, three years oh, yeah. ago that the XFL was yeah. coming and they took their time, got and good got coaches. They got good, TV deals in place. They got good players. 
they had a plan in place and a good strategy. I think that's going to be the difference. I hope this thing survives because not only because I like football, but because I just I think it's a really great thing to kind of be that that testing ground for new rules for the NFL and also for players just outside to be able to play in this league and be able to showcase their talents and then get into the NFL. I mean, the championship game for this is the last weekend of April and in the draft, like right around then, like I I'd maybe embrace it even more and just make sure you get your season in before the draft. So these guys can play your mm. full season and then get drafted. You run the risk then of you don't want to start your season while the NFL season's going on. Maybe if the NFL I, could back the draft up a week or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I that would, would really I'd, kill I'd these NFL say, Hey, this is good for everybody here. This is people watching this sport more throughout the year than, than what you have. People, people aren't leaving the NFL to watch the, to watch the XFL. I just don't see, that's not going to happen. That's what I'm it's saying. You don't, you can't, you can't move your season around so much. If you're the yeah. XFL, I think the XFL but season is what it is. Close as it is. I think just see if you can massage, maybe you can, you know, take Goodell out to drinks and, and make, and get that I think, draft moved I think, yeah, getting the draft <laughs> moved back a week or two is more realistic. Yeah. 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 I, I would try, try to just massage it into place here. Um, yeah, I, or I maybe know, striking I a deal it. with it these NFL like, teams saying, hey, you can draft him, but we're not going to release him to you until we're done with the championship or whatever, or until that team's done. Maybe. he. It looks like a good product. It looks good on the TV. It looks better than the AAFL did last year. Yeah. And I think, like the XFL's first run, they went for that salacious viewer. They went for that. I mean, they had a big number that first week, 10 million viewers or whatever it was. And they were going for these people with Flash this isn't built on flash. And I think you got, you know, three or 4 million people at games, you know, but each one of the games this year, that number is going to stick a lot better. I mean, your percentage is going to be so much better than that. 10 million was the first time XFL came. I think it has a good chance. I think two years is the hump. I, I heard you say they have two or three years worth of money to go. If you, if you're starting the third season, then you're over the hump and maybe this is something that sticks, but we're not going to know until then. We're just not. It's they're also in a better place. TV wise at, the inaugural yeah, week Fox. of AAF was on CBS, but after that, it went to CBS Sports Network, where not as yeah. many people have that. It gets buried very easily. I have it; it's hard to find. Um, you're looking there for football. For you're not for, looking there for, for anything. You're not looking for yeah. Uh, you, when a game is on CBS Sports Network, it's because there's a team playing on there that you really yeah. want to see. You're watching Darius play for Marshall. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, then we're to the most negative topic of all. NCAA football, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was just begging, come on, Fuente, you're not saying anything. You're making uh, Wit go up there and talk for you. Come out and talk. Well, he talked last week, and uh, I, I didn't want him to talk anymore. He, he just, man, he like, I am such an optimist <laughs> for Virginia Tech football, and this guy just continues to just upset me. And it's just like, he just gets done talking and saying, if you're in the transfer portal, you're gone. Say, he's saying it out loud. Which I'll get, I'll get to my point there. It just my immediate thought was, man, I wish he went. To, I just wish he went to Baylor. I just wish he would have left because it's such a negative look on our program, and it, it's like it's kind of like you did go to Baylor, you know? Like these recruits are just losing any faith they have in us. And if it's your policy not to take back these guys, fine, have the policy. You know your your numbers. You know what these guys are. You know what you have coming in. But don't say it out loud like it's some kind of across-the-board thing. Don't don't even say words that could be misconstrued that you're saying it's across. But just have a little bit of tact and realize when you are pushing everybody away, it's not helping you. 
and everything this guy does is push people away. He pushes the fans away with no access. He pushes the media away from just even being friendly and, and having a chance to have some of these media guys on his side and write a good article about him instead of trying to you know, squeeze in and then be negative. He just keeps pushing people away, and it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, Leland, you and I aren't true Hokies because we're using – objectivity and we're looking at this with a bigger picture view and we're not slapping on orange and maroon tinted glasses to look at this. I also, anytime someone says somebody's not a true hokey, I want to see, I, I want to see their diploma first. I'm not saying you have to have a diploma to be a true hokey, but I think it's those people on Twitter that just aren't, they, they showed up Michael Vick years. It's the, it, it's, it's just like, it's these people that are, have never seen tech be bad because they're young or it's these older guys that I, I think only came in when Michael Vick played and they think they have the right judgment on who's a hokey. I want guys that either graduate. I want fans well, some of them are older there or grew up being tech fans or parents went there. Maybe you didn't go there or some kind of versions of all this. That's what I'm going to start accepting criticism from, for my fandom before I'm going to do these guys that, have only rode on the top or, or were only born after we'd been on top. Cause I being asked, being called out for being a true hokey or not, that, that just, that's one of my pressure points. <laughs> that's one of those things that get me. You ever want to, if you want to shut up a conversation with Leland, you question if he's a true hokey. And so I'll get to my takes. Um, I, with <laughs> you, with your point, I agree. Um, you never say that out loud in terms of what he said about the transfer portal. Never say it out loud. I know he said in the future it's case by case, but as far as this year goes, anybody in the portal's not welcome back. Never say that out loud. I don't care what yeah. the real thing is. You never say it out loud. You just, say, just say you it's can... case by case basis. Just say that. Case by case basis. Case by case basis. Uh, I learned my lesson last year with that. What was that? That Hendon Hooker and Deshaun McLeese entered the transfer portal and then came back and they were two of your best players on offense? Is that the lesson you learned? Or is the lesson you learned that you're an idiot and you started Ryan Willis and then, oh, yeah, I'm a clown. Uh, maybe this Hendon Hooker guy's better. Justin Fuente's not smart. He's not smart when it comes to the PR aspect of his job. He's not smart when it comes to figuring out who should be on the field. And he's not smart when it comes to who his offensive coordinator should be. So that's three strikes in my opinion. I realize I'm not a true hokey when I say these things because I'm coming at you with actual problems that are in the program that you're not being able to acknowledge because you want to live in a fantasy land where Virginia Tech is going to win a national championship during the 2020s. That's fine. I don't mind that kid. I don't mind that kid. That kid's fine. He's not living in reality. Um, and the problem he's is owning that too. He's that's, owning that. He too. is. He's not the problem. It's the other people that don't own it. It's the other people yeah. that think if yeah. you say anything remotely negative about Virginia Tech, you're killing the program. Which brings me to today's mess. It could be a, go be a JMU fan. You have a recruiting director being interviewed by a Virginia Tech podcast. And look, Leland and I are a podcast. We're not even Virginia Tech podcast, and the, their podcast is bigger than ours. So I'm not trying to downplay podcasts. But maybe the Virginia Tech recruiting director doesn't come on one. And maybe, and I am the reason Leland and I will never be able to get anyone of any value from Virginia Tech and JMU because I speak my mind on it and I don't sugarcoat it. We we get people of value from JMU. We have. Greg is of value. I'm saying from the programs. I'm saying from the programs. With the actual program. I gotcha. Yeah. Yes. We will never get those people because I I say what I mean and I say what I think. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for everybody and you know, try to paint this sunshine and rainbows picture when it's not what it, when that's not what's happening. So for me that 
Sons of Saturday do that a lot, in my opinion. They they talk about positives almost exclusively, neg- never negatives. And if it is a negative, it's a very small way of talking about it. And you don't look at the bigger problems. Um, so they get a recruiting director on there. And it's not the only thing he said. And he's, he said it wasn't the only factor. But he mentioned two kids complaining about fans on Twitter and in the stadium. Uh talking about Fuente and how it creates instability or a sense of instability with his regime at Virginia Tech. And it cost them at least one kid, is what he said. He said one kid they were able to get back, but the other one they never did get back. I would love to know where that kid went because I'm going to bet he went to a D2 or D3 school or he also just doesn't realize that that's a thing everywhere. Or that's not actually a real excuse, and that's just what he told them. I don't care. That's never an excuse to not getting kids. That's never an excuse to not getting kids, in my opinion. If it is, then you know how you solve the instability questions? You win games. You don't lose to UVA and Kentucky at the end of the year, and you don't get trucked by Duke at home. That's how you solve instability questions. You don't go out and turn the ball over five times with a chucklehead quarterback who shouldn't be a starter at a major Power 5 school. That's how you solve instability questions. You face the media and answer tough questions like a professional and not like some idiot who's never sat in front of a microphone before. That's how you answer instability questions. The fans, I'm sorry. You are 100% wrong. And if you can't look, and I love the excuses we're getting from people. This is, this is a no-nonsense way of looking at the transfer portal. This is what every coach, the more coaches think this. They just don't say it. Yeah, because they're smarter. Because they want to get recruits through the door, you dumb idiots. Use your brain before you get on Twitter and start talking, well, we don't have scholarship numbers for those kids. Well, that's news because we're trying to get kids from other schools in the transfer portal. So I guess we'll magically make those scholarships appear. Oh, wait, no, we have the scholarships. We're just not going to give them back to the kids who want to come back. Who, by the way, if they do want to come back, would only be doing the same exact thing Justin Fuente did this offseason when he explored a job, when he entered the coaching transfer portal to talk to Baylor and be interviewed, and then, you know, best-case scenario, decided to come back, but probably more realistic scenario. Baylor met with him, sat in a room with this guy for 10 minutes, and went, wow, this guy is a total buffoon. He would totally kill our program. Let's definitely not hire this guy. I know. There's a guy from LSU that's the defensive coordinator of a team that just won the national championship. Let's go hire that guy, because the only national championship this guy's going to win is if he busts out his copy of NCAA 14 and plays a video game. What an absolute joker this guy is. And I've got news for you, Virginia Tech fans. All you people want to say, for all you haters of the Fuente era, when he starts winning, we're waiting for our apology. Fine. If he wins the Coastal, I'll apologize. But when he doesn't because he's a choker and a loser, I want all these quote-unquote true Hokie fans to realize that how stupid they are for not being able to see the big picture when it's right there in front of them and like a giant mural painted on a wall and they can't see it because they're too close up to the wall, loving everything Virginia Tech because they're scared if they say anything negative about Virginia Tech, someone's going to come in and take away their tickets. No one's going to take away your tickets. Virginia Tech would love for people to come to those games. Because guess what? If they keep Fuente around much longer, ain't nobody going. Because our recruiting class is trash. 
I know people want to say we didn't have a lot of scholarships. That's why our recruiting class isn't good. That would be a great explanation of it if that's we how it worked. We just had like 13 open up. Yeah, that would be a great explanation <laughs> if that's how it worked. But when you look at the average rating of the recruits we got, it's dead freaking last in the ACC. Boston College, power five, Georgia Tech, power it's dead freaking last. So get out of here. Get out of here with that nonsense. Our recruiting class this year sucks. And when you look at OxVT's Twitter, he put up a tweet of since Kevin Jones came to Virginia Tech in 2001, he was the number one recruit in the country, the best recruit that we landed each year and where they ranked in the nation. There for a while, you know, you're in the 30s, the 40s, the 20s. There's a couple 100s, but man, this year, 330. Nothing says VT hard hat mentality like 330. If our hard hat was made out of styrofoam, that would get me excited, I guess, because we're going to get our head caved in. Penn State is going to come in to Lane Stadium and absolutely beat the stuffing out of us. James Franklin, who is an actual football coach, is going to come in and embarrass Justin Fuente. What the counter that I had a discussion about was some of our players that have recently left happily, not uh, not transfer portal. Keane was one of them that I really got called out where he was like defending Fuente and all this. And you know what? I think Keane very much could be the type of guy that can play under Fuente that does, does like Fuente and he's not leaving because of something with Fuente and Keane's a hard worker, a do it all kind of player and probably not one of the guys Fuente has problems with. Right. Well, you know what? You're never going to have 85 guys built like that. You right. have to be able to manage different kinds of people. And I, Frank Beamer did it, uh, but Foster did it. Uh, a lot of other coaches, you know, Nick Saban does it. Uh, Ed Orgeron does it. Dabo Sweeney does it. And you have to be able to manage different types of people. They all can't be type A's, show up early, push their bodies to the max every single time, always have a good attitude. You're not going to have 85 kids like that. So you got to be able to manage these different guys. And it seems like Fuente just keeps pointing at this narrow bracket of people that exist on this earth, much less athletic enough, good enough, play football. You know, it just, you're going to have to be able to, you know, be liked by a wider group of athletes than what it seems like Fuente's pushing to. And people also want to say, when they take these things individually, the transfer polder, well, you know, you could look at it this way and it's not that bad. And that's okay. Well, you know, the recruiting class is not very good this year, but this is the reason. And this is the reason. Oh, okay. And well, he has this attitude and it's pushing everybody out, but you know, it's okay. Individually. I'd listen to any one of these arguments. And I think I have in the past, but when they're all together in one coach in one spot and all of these things are negative, you got to stop ignoring it. And I mean, what was it? Six months ago, I was closer to what you're yelling at right now. I was had some blinders on. I was still given that time. I still had hope. We had a preseason show for for college football where Cody came on and we're debating between nine or ten wins and and all this. And then quickly we're we lose to Boston College. We don't look good. And then comes the Duke loss on a Friday night. We don't it's look just, good in the wins before the Duke game it's, either. It's just it just. It isn't good. Everything points to bad. And the only good things we had this season was a game we easily could have lost in six overtimes to UNC. So many times we could have lost that game. We had a backup quarterback with heart that that made it happen. 
And then we had two defensive shutouts from a coach that was on his way out that really had the ear of his players that were really giving it all they had. And we shut out two teams, one of them not that great, but the other, Wake Forest was having a decent year. But uh, once we played UVA and Kentucky, teams that actually had a little bit to them, could do a couple different things that weren't as one-dimensional as Georgia Tech in a first-year coach or Wake Forest, who I'm never going to consider they're good, yeah, then they got we got scored on and we lost some games. Like, our highlights of this season, you can really explain why they were kind of lucky Then you can't explain that really showed the growth of this football team and the growth of the program. And there's so much more around our program that shows negative than it does positive. And you just can't have all that stuff mounting up on top of it and ignore that there's a negative there. Yeah, and uh, the Wake Forest wasn't the other shutout. It was Georgia Tech, but I know what you're saying. The Wake Forest Georgia game was Tech a big Wake win. Wake Forest was the two shutouts. Georgia Tech and Pitt were the two shutouts. Wake Forest uh, was not a shutout. Yeah, we beat Wake Forest. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I get right. what you're saying. My bad. I get what you're point. It's not that's that doesn't take away from your alert. Pitt's point. not that great either. No, Pitt and Georgia <laughs> Tech are worse. Yeah, Wake Forest. If we had shut out Wake Forest, I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, but it goes to the other point, right? That today, all these people, well, the people inside the program, all you people that are complaining, aren't. You're outside the program. You don't get it. Well, I tell you what. I'm outside the program, and Leland, we can go back and check the tape. I was saying it when, uh, before when Josh Jackson got hurt that we should have put Hendon Hooker in instead of Ryan Willis. We didn't. We rode Ryan Willis. We ended up getting to a bowl game because Dalton Keene went and saved Ryan Willis by going up and catching a jump ball against UVA and robbing it from the safety that was going to pick it off to keep us in a bowl game for that year. And then this year, I said, with a full offseason, there is no reason Hendon Hooker should not be starting over Ryan Willis. And we started Ryan Willis, and what happened? We were a train wreck. We threw our first two conference games of the year right into the toilet. And that cost you a trip to the ACC championship game this year because you threw away your first two games against very winnable and beatable opponents if you had Hendon Hooker playing at the beginning of the year and not Ryan Willis, who doesn't fit your offense. Again, I'm not in the system, but I can see that. So that's a problem. But anyway, you want to talk about this recruiting director and everything he said. Oh, hey, guys, I've got news. This guy who is hired by Justin Fuente to be a full-time recruiting director and has moved up since Justin Fuente took over and works for Justin Fuente and gets paid because he works for Justin Fuente has nice things to say about Justin Fuente. He said he's the greatest leader he's ever seen. Either that kid hasn't seen very many leaders or he's lying. But uh, either one of those is troubling, in my opinion. But... It's news if he says Justin Fuente has a problem or is a problem. That's news. Him saying and singing the praises of Justin Fuente as a person that works for Justin Fuente isn't news. When people that work for someone praise them all the time, that's not news. That's called job security and liking your job. When they complain about them, that's news. So for all the people who don't understand how news works or how information works or are surprised when people inside the program feed their bias because they only want to listen to positive things that people have to say. I've got news for you, folks. All the people saying, well, Justin Fuente figured out that Ryan Willis wasn't the starter. You know how he figured it out? Because he heard a chorus of boos every time our offense came off the field on every time we would go three and out, you dumb idiots. And you know what else is going to hurt us? Jerry Kill is no longer involved with the football program, and I think he was the smartest one in the bunch. So he's gone. Bud Foster's gone. I tell you what, I hope this staff he hired, they got a lot of Virginia Tech alums on there from the Beamer years. I hope they're good. I I really do. And I hope Virginia Tech wins the Coastal and Fuente proves me wrong. 
but I just haven't seen it. I think this thing is going to cr come crashing down. And here's the beauty of it, Leland. These people will never admit that they're wrong. If we have to fire the coach, they're going to turn to this point and say, we all just need to get around the new coach and stop blaming the old coach. He's gone. Great. If he doesn't win it this year and we're a train wreck, I want to hear them say, I was wrong. I want to hear them say it because it's just as important to admit when you're wrong for all these po constant positive people as it is for you to beat your chest when we go out and beat Fairleigh Dickinson or whatever goofball squad comes into Blacksburg as our FCS opponent. Well, you lived up. All right, let's get out of here and we'll talk some baseball. <laughs> All right, Leland, let's get into the B block. No interview this week, so let's talk some baseball. Baseball in the news in a big it's way this week in multiple ways. Um, first off, I want to talk about the Wall Street Journal report that came out saying that, hey, guess what? Everything that you thought made sense when it came to this cheating scandal, scandal actually is probably what actually happened. The front office did probably know about this because guess what? An intern came up with a spreadsheet called Operation Codebreaker, which was this cheating scandal. And something tells me the intern didn't have the play, didn't get it to the players without someone in the front office knowing and running it up the chain, which seems to be the case. And the program went from 2016 to 2018. Hey, guess what? It stopped last not, year, right? It's not just 17. It stopped yeah. last year, right? And uh, A.J. Hinch is quoted in, I believe it was email saying, Call it, referring to it as the dark arts. Well, in 2019, we don't see Operation Codebreaker in the budget, but we do see something called the dark arts in the budget. So, <laughs> hey, guess what's back up again? That buzzer scandal that Rob Manfred also said there was no evidence of because Rob Manfred has no credibility anymore because he pushed this false narrative of, oh, the front office didn't know anything about this. Oh, no, they would never. Yeah, I mean, and I, I wasn't, I was probably being ignorant to it. I thought, hey, that owner could just own the team and not know. But, yeah, that's saying different. I do think people are crazy when they try to take this system using electronics to steal signs and to steal indicators and comparing it to Carlos Delgado, who, after his at-bats, would I saw write that. down his notes about what happened on the, on the pitch sequences. And, like, that's not the same thing, guys. That's not the same thing. That doesn't mean he goes. He's at bat and he's being told what it, what's coming. He is studying his craft. He is being a good, educated player, and yeah, I just I, it's not the same thing. It's like it's Fred Flintstone getting in his car that he has to use his feet to move onto the track of the Daytona Dono 500 and saying, "Why can't he win? He's in a race car." It's it's like I mean, honestly, when I read that, I was like, "It's studying for a test. It's not." cheating i think that was something else test. yeah like, somebody else in the comments put oh, this is up. you're saying basically studying for the test carlos delgado is basically studying for the test the houston astros have the teacher giving them the answers as yeah. they're filling out the yeah. test yeah it's bad it, it's bad and one of the points i was making i was trying to make when we were starting here was any other sport kills for this much attention on their sport in the offseason NFL gets it. I mean, they get it with free agency, with the combine, with the draft, with uh, spring workouts. 
you know, other than June, you're talking about the NFL year round. You're talking about 11 months of the year. And baseball would kill to have to we're the top story in December. We're the top story in January. We're the top story in February. You think they'd love this. It's all centered around cheating. And I know there's the phrase of no, any news is good news or, you know, any attention is good. Not when it's, you know, taking away World Series champion, not when it's involving a cheating scandal that is a team that's been involved in the postseason the last four years and was really was a good story for baseball. It's not good when all of this just shows this is not just the Astros. This is the Red Sox. This is this team. This is this team. I mean, it's just spreading. It does feel like it's going to be a lot more teams. The coronavirus of baseball cheating. It's just spreading slowly, and it's not good for baseball. My only that I love. Yeah, I love it, too. And right now, my only concern is when I wake up in the morning seeing on Twitter like Mike Elias is involved because I have said this before and I'll say it again. If we have to fire Mike Elias and hit the reset button on this rebuild two years in, I will cry. I will come on this podcast. I will cry. It will be really hard to get through because that's the only thing keeping me going with the Orioles right now is Mike Elias has a plan and I can kind of see what it is and I kind of like it. I just we just need to stay the course and get through this. Our farm system has already improved to ninth in the majors, which is Uh a big jump in two years. I, I like what we're doing, but if he gonna, gets involved in go this to the warehouses, they're going to find a sniper camera up, oh, up in the, God, up in the warehouses. And I really open. hope not. <laughs> but, um, so in it, the response from major league baseball to this has been, uh, Hey, we're thinking about maybe changing the playoffs and how they work. Isn't that <laughs> kind of cool? <laughs> um, so it's this big shiny distraction in terms of the actual plan of the playoffs. It would extend the playoffs to I think it was seven teams in week, each league. Week. So 14 teams out of the 30 would now be in the playoffs. Seven from the AL, seven from the NL. The team with the best record in each league would get a bye, and the division winners in the other two divisions would get to pick which of the wildcard teams they played. Get to pick is where I get a little lost here. Or not lost. I just, like, I don't, I don't like pick it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like know. It. I know it's setting up for some kind of TV thing. I it is. Like it. Oh, it's definitely setting up for a TV thing. Yeah, it's going to be televised. Um, but yeah, are, are we going to have? Jim I constantly complain. Say, like we're taking we're taking our winning team to Miami so we can beat the heck out of them. Like what are we doing? Like, I constantly complain about people not being willing to change and adapt. So I'm not going to come out and say this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because it's not. But I will say I don't love it at its face at the idea of it, but I'm willing to see how it plays out. I don't mind. I don't mind the current system. I don't, I don't mind the current system either. If I'm being brutally honest, I think one game, like, I don't mind that. I, I think I would like it better if there was, if you're going to have playoffs, then you do like a best of three, because I think each fan base deserves that. If, if you're really going to call it the playoffs, then have it be that. Um, but I don't have a problem with it. Uh, uh, like I'm not losing sleep. I don't sleep mind the more teams. I really don't mind it. I, I'm not jumping over that. I don't like this. You get to mean girl it and you know pick pick you know kickball in the backyard. You pick who you're playing or what. Like no records decided. The best of those teams playing plays the worst. Blah blah blah. Go from there. And to close out our baseball talking because uh, I have nothing else to say about that uh, until we see how real that that plan is. Um, <laughs> Because there is a sneaky suspicion that's just like, hey, we need a distraction. Um, <laughs> but 
Um, the Red Sox trade Mookie Betts. Uh, and I, I talked about this with Rob a little bit because I saw him tonight. Uh, at Shenandoah, yeah, at Shenandoah Awards in Apparel, uh, picking up some shirts, uh, great shirts. But I will say, I do think some of the Red Sox fans that are acting like the, the sky is falling are not really seeing the bigger picture here. Alex Verdugo is really good. They got some really good pieces here. They needed to get yeah. something for a guy they weren't going to be able to re-sign. They, that team, and the biggest plus of all, you got rid of David Price. David Price was a total albatross of a deal, and he's a total looney tune. So the fact that you got rid of that guy is great. I saw the L.A. Dodgers. Welcome welcome to Hollywood, David Price. Cool. Well, I hope you're ready for a Hollywood-type crazy person because he's going to star in The Shining 2 where he's going to just totally tear down your franchise because he's an absolute insane person. And you're going to see him looking through the door going, it's me, it's pricey. He is a total loon. And the fact that the Red Sox got rid of him was deal enough. But they got some good prospects for Mookie Betts. And by the way, you're going to be under the luxury tax, so there's no guarantee that at the end of this year, you can't re-sign Mookie Betts in free agency. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening now. Most most of the Red Sox fans I've talked to, and I know we had Steve on last week, but even other other ones that on Twitter and stuff that I see, like I overall I'm not seeing a bunch of negative from the people I'm following that from from Boston point of view. And uh, I think they realized that he was getting too expensive, and you got to move on. And uh, I think they've laughed at the Bryce contracts. They've laughed at the um, you know even the Trout pro- uh, contract, and you know back in the day the Pujols contract, like. It's it's not wise to get into something where you're that that wrapped up in one of these guys. So I I, I overall I haven't seen that much outrage from Boston fans, and I, I I think that's accurate, and I think they'll be better for it. And um, I like the trade though. I do like the trade. I like that Boston got back some decent pieces, and I like it for the Dodgers because like hey Dodgers, if you're not this is it. Like you've been on the cusp for four years now, five years now. You got to get it done now. There's no. There's no going past this now. You got to get it done now. And and for friends that I have that are Dodgers fans, Ryan Wiley, former podcast guest, like, hey buddy, that's your year. You better make it happen. And I said this about the Cubs. I said, hey, next year you, you your Cubs better win it. Well, they won it a year earlier to my Cubs friend. This is what I'm saying to the Dodgers. This is the year for the for the Dodgers. So they've got to make it happen. Uh, yeah, um, I guess my closing point on this will be, I've seen a lot of people anointing the Dodgers already World Series champions with the Mookie Betts trade, and David Price is now on the team, and that's going to help them because, I don't know. But I, I don't know. But, yes, they have a good lineup with Mookie Betts, and everyone's anointing them the champions. I feel like we did this, like, two or three separate years the, over the last decade with the New York Yankees when they've gotten somebody, and guess what? They never won the World Series. When baseball writers start handing out World Series title before opening day, you can start to maybe pencil that team to not do it. Is would be my only concern as a Dodgers fan, just because baseball writers tend to get swept up in the immediacy of a, a big new deal and a superstar player going to this team, and they start looking at all the production that possibly could be. Baseball's a funny game. There's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of players that just have sl- extended slumps and don't get it done. Clayton Kershaw still on your team. Can he figure out and get through the mental aspect of the postseason? There's just a lot of questions that are going to come with the Dodgers that I don't know if I feel if I was a Dodgers fan, I would be a little nervous about everyone being like, yep, Dodgers are going to win the World Series. It's over. Don't even know why we're playing the games. Yeah, I get that.
All right, Leland, let's get into the D block and wrap things up here. Let's go to what is dominating your life. What's dominating my life is uh, my the school that my daughter goes to is, has a really cool thing. I think a lot of schools do this. Uh, one school, one book, and it's basically all the grades at one time. They all get given the book today it was, and they all one chapter a night. Everybody's reading every morning. They go to school the next day. They have to they have trivia questions or not trivia questions, but just questions about the book from the night before. And it's the whole school doing the same thing at one time. And because my daughter is still young and on side of school, you know, parents read it to her. And it's it's always a book. Uh, last year I did it. This year I'm doing it too. Or I'm the actual one reading it. I read you know, small books all the time, but you know, a chapter by chapter by chapter book. Uh, it's only been the other, the other one and this one that I've been able to do and, uh, it works out really well and I really enjoy it. And I like that they, it, it's cool cause it brings the school together, but I think it's also good probably for the families to come together and, and really force that interaction. Luckily in, in our family, we do a lot of stuff together and, and stuff, but I, I have to think it's good for a lot of families. So I think it's a cool idea. And, um, it's just it's good good dad moments come from it so uh it's more just bragging about how lucky i am more than anything but it, it's a cool thing that the school does so that's cool uh what's the book this year um it's like the it's about a hamster or something it's not as popular a book i know i just read a chapter of it shortly before i got on here <laughs> but it's like something the hamster or humphrey's first day of class or something so I don't really Something know that well hamster. yet. It's not a classic. Last year it was Charlotte's Web, and that oh, was that's a jam. cool. Yeah, and uh, we had our Halloween costume like that uh, before we read that book for school, so it really fit well with the family. And uh, so it, it last year was really my jam. This year uh, I wasn't as aware of the book. I thought it was going to be Matilda, which is a classic. Um, but uh, it, it's not. It ended up being something. Uh, but maybe maybe this is like a new classic. Maybe this is you know. Uh, it'll be a classic here in 20 years or something. So, um, we're going to read it. First chapter was good. And, uh, how many chapters? Uh, it's like 15. Okay. So we got a couple more weeks then we could. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, I can't you, wait I'll for Leland's. Yeah. I can't weeks. wait for Leland's breakdown of something, the hamster <laughs> next week. See how we're going. Uh, <laughs> what is dominating your life? What is dominating my life was also dominating your life. Uh, yeah, the well, steel drivers concert, uh, you and your lovely wife, uh, ended up going with my brother and I to see the Steel Drivers in Roanoke. Uh, and we had a great time. It was a great concert. Uh, we had some good food at Tuco's. was the name of the restaurant? Yes? Recommend, recommend that place. It was awesome. Yeah, in Roanoke, uh, downtown Roanoke. That was really good food. Uh, Mexican uh, restaurant. Uh, we had a good time. Uh, we got to power through what was a rough and tumbly week there at the end. Uh, I had a good time with you and your wife. And, uh, the, again... The Steel Drivers are an awesome bluegrass group. Chris Stapleton used to be the lead singer of the Steel Drivers. He hasn't been now for quite a few years. But the guy who is the lead singer sounds real close to Chris Stapleton. Um, I think my brother hit the nail on the head when he said he sounds like Chris Stapleton, just younger, and that's because he's younger. Yeah, I, I, I think some of the strength is just a little bit less grit, but like he's still yeah. very good, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, and I think it's the right fit for that, um, for the way – their vibe of their music and, and what they're singing about in that, in that bluegrass band. And, uh, I was trying to convince myself that they were like the most popular bluegrass band right now. Um, because I feel like <sighs> bluegrass people know them, but then people that are mainstream know Chris Stapleton and maybe know that he came from steel drivers. I don't think that, I think still, I don't know if 
Krause uh, 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 Station. I mean, it's just blanking in my head right now. Allison Krause and Union Station. Union Station, yeah. I, if they're still doing their thing, then they're probably still the most popular. Yeah. Because they would get some of that mainstream tie. But uh, I, I think I was trying to talk myself into it more than it actually being real because my brother-in-law uh, that knows country music decent enough I said something about steel drivers and he really didn't know what I was talking about. So huh. maybe they're just not quite as popular as I thought, but they're awesome. They they're sold really out. Fun. The, yeah, they sold out in Roanoke. The venue was awesome. Um, and yeah, it was a smaller venue, but they sold it out and it was all, and it was a really good, it, you know, it wasn't that, that music feels in it and that smaller of an environment. It, it you feel it more and I, mm-hmm. and you, you like it. They're not big playing big electric guitars and all that, that you can get away with in a stadium tour. So, it, it really worked well. Really a good time. I agree. Th- and, uh, you know, thanks for uh, having us come up with you. Yeah. And it was a good time. Um, and I recommend catch steel drivers when you can. They, they tour all around. Uh, they're really good. Listen, even if you're not into bluegrass as much, they're so uh, catchy for bluegrass. Right. You know, and like, and they, they were described as a mix of rock and bluegrass, which yeah. I think rock might be a little strong, but yeah. It's a harder bluegrass. bluegrass. Yeah, it's a harder bluegrass uh, is how it was described in the program that we got. Uh, I know they sold out Richmond the next night, too, which is great. Um, They dropped a new album the same night that the concert that we went to was. So they they mixed some of the new stuff, which was good, with some of the old classics, which I loved. And, um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, I would say also another group. I love the Steel Drivers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I would say Allison Krauss and Union Station. They are still doing their thing. They're still very good. Uh, and I would say that Steve Martin and the Steep Canyon Ragers, when Steve Martin is with them, they're a big deal. When Steve Martin is not with them, people don't pay attention, but they also are a pretty good bluegrass band. I think I would like, I think I like the Steel Drivers more, but I'm not sure. I think once Steve Martin goes on like the late show tours with them, I think people would recognize them more. I think my problem with them is I think I only see them when Steve Martin's mm-hmm. there and I'm like watching Steve Martin. And, right. uh, I think I need to listen to them and not watch them. <laughs> right. And Steel Drivers gave a shout-out to Lonesome River Band. That's a really good bluegrass band as well. Yeah. All right, what do you know that I need to know? Well, the Vic documentary finally concluded on last Thursday, and I finally got around to watching it uh, on Sunday. Uh, so both parts I would highly recommend. Uh, the first part focuses on the Virginia Tech and NFL career before dogfighting. Um, again, it was great to see the Virginia Tech stuff be a part of that and see relive those years. That was cool seeing watching him play in the NFL. Again, I was in college when, uh, when he was in the NFL and when the dogfighting stuff happened, I was in college. So that's what part two focuses on. And then the comeback. So anyway, Leland, what do you know that we need to know? Tyler Zombro is going to devil rays or just rays now. Spring Bay rays. Yeah. They don't like the devil in there because you know, well, I'm excited that a kid from Stanton is going to pitch Major League Baseball this spring. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to come on up. But that's a good sign, even if it's not this year, for the future for him, that he's getting that opportunity. Uh, he was tearing it up in spring training last year, and uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast. So uh, I'm uh, rooting for him. Everybody should be rooting for him. Uh, is a kid from Stanton playing at the at the top level of Major League Baseball. You've got to root for that. So I'm really happy for him. and. Not not a whole lot more to say than that, but just happy for him, rooting for him, and you'll hear you'll hear his name more on this podcast as we kind of maybe track him a little bit closer. This year. A little easier. We're not we're not uh, John, all things Valley, digging digging in the depths of minor leagues for what's going on. 
He'll we, probably we be a source, wait. though. We have to wait for John <laughs> to tell us what, what yeah. these minor leaguers are doing. But Tyler Zombro, a potential major leaguer, that, that's huge. That's going to be a lot easier for us to follow. Um, and that'll be cool. That'll be really cool. That will be really cool. It's really cool to see him get in. And especially any of these players that you get to see in the Valley uh, that make it to the majors, it's really cool to watch their journey. So that was a big week from around the sports world. A lot more action happened this week with high school basketball wrapping up, wrestling in regions. We'll be back next week to catch you guys up where everything stands and set you up as we go forward in these postseasons for high school sports. And uh, we'll see if we watch any XFL this weekend. Uh, make sure you're interacting with us on Twitter and email uh, at Yak Sports Pod is how you find us on all those different venues, Twitter and Facebook and at yaksportspod at gmail to email us subscribe to us on podbean apple google spotify but most of all if you're listening to me say this you probably already listen to us tell your friends that's how they find us if you want to hear about local high school sports we got it for you on a podcast and we'll keep bringing it to you so we will talk to you next week and we'll have more of the yak sports podcast